Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the High Side News podcast. Today's podcast is being recorded at 10.34 on the 5th of April. This weekend we had the Argentine MotoGP round and it was just a complete crazy round just like Portimao. Joining me once again to talk to you all through uh, the second MotoGP round of the season and to preview the start of the BSB season is Dawn and Jack Hammersley. Jack, I hope you're well, mate. Are you looking forward to the start of the BSB season? Very much so, especially when you look at the grid and testing's really been a whitewash. It's sort of, mm. it's even more mysterious who's going to be the victor at the end of the weekend and the championship. Mm. Dawn, I hope you're all right as well. Uh, this season, you're working with two teams in the BSB paddock. Uh, do you care to tell us a little bit more about who they are and uh, what classes they're in? Yeah, uh, Mortimer Racing. This is my third year with them. They're in the British Talent Cup, the RNG, British Talent Cup, newly named this season. Um, we've got Ollie Horner and Alexander Rowan riding for us. So I'm excited to be with them. And new for this year is McAdam Racing. And they're in the British Super Sport class with Tom Taparis, Jack Nixon and Max Wadsworth. So I'm really excited to stretch it out with them this year. Cool. Sounds like you've got an interesting year ahead. We'll talk more about uh, the BSB field in a bit. But first, I do think we need to talk through just the the, the crazy Argentine round of the MotoGP season. There's no other way to say it. It was... We went into the weekend, we went a little bit bold in our predictions, didn't we, Jack, for, for who we thought. And I don't think any of us got a single prediction right. That's how uh, that's how difficult this round was to, to call. And let's just go straight in with MotoGP. We'll go with a sprint race. And honestly, I have to say, I didn't have Brad Binder anywhere near a podium for the sprint race, let alone a race win. Brad Binder absolutely stormed it from the first lap and uh, looked unbeatable. Jack, do you want to tell us a little bit more about Binder's really impressive ride at Termas for the sprint race? Yeah, you know, he, he struggled in Portimao with his with his neck after crashing and testing and being a bit injured. And, you know, KTM looked nowhere all weekend. And then all of a sudden, at the end of lap one, Brad Binder was, I think, third place from 15th, which was really incredible. And he, it was lucky... From that Bezeki got held up as much as he did at the start of the race, but Brad got to the front within three laps, controlled the pace, really impressive ride. Don't think anyone, even KTM, don't think even they expected that to happen. But yeah, it was a really great race by Brad and showing his talents, showing uh, how the sprint race can be um, good for riders like Brad being dead aggressive on the opening lap and still staggers me now yeah um brad binder was ran close though by bezeki who uh jack just mentioned and uh dawn really i thought bez was gonna do it on that last lap he ran him right towards the final corner what were your thoughts watching bezeki close that gap that binder had opened so quickly yeah definitely i think had there been one more lap bezeki would have definitely done it yeah so we're uh... Yeah, Binder was with a little bit lucky, I suppose, there, but he rode an amazing race. So I think we both said we uh, predicted Jack Miller. So it's just like wrong rider, right team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jack Miller would have been the, the, the more sort of suitable choice, I guess, towards the sprint race. But Binder, a man who I didn't really think would do well in the sprint races this year, really pulled it out of the bag at Termas. And uh, another rider who really had a great weekend, and it's 
bid his best since Jaref last season was Franco Morbidelli with the Factory Yamaha team. And really, it was opposite fortunes for his teammate Fabio Quattararo. Jack, what were you thinking, really? The only two Yamahas on the grid, Fabio having a relatively poor weekend for his standards and Franco having a great weekend. Yeah, it was really strange. I remember watching F- uh, practice one and just seeing Frankie like, his first lap was really fast compared to everybody else. And it's all, and he just kept, he stayed inside the top five for most of the session. It was like, maybe this could be a good weekend. And session by session, he kept improving. He never slipped outside the top 10. He was always being Quattararo. And it was a really strange, but it was really good to see that Frankie was competitive and he did lead, he led a race for the first time since he won at, um, Valencia in twenty twenty, the first time he was on he was fighting for a podium since a ref twenty twenty one. It was just re- it was just really good to see Frankie back there. Now hopefully he can take this momentum and bring it for the rest of the season. Yeah, Franco Morbidelli was was fourth in the sprint race. The only uh yeah, the only the only Japanese manufacturer really, Yamaha were were, were up there with only Frankie throughout the whole weekend. Uh Honda once again, had an awful time, really, in 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 Termas. Uh, Dawn Joanne Mia for the Sunday, we had we had no Repsol Honda riders on the grid at all, with Joanne Mia picking up an injury, and that's the fifth rider this season to pick up an injury. What are your thoughts of the injury rates and Repsol Honda really having a poor showing at at Termas? Yeah, it's just really unfortunate for Honda to you'd never believe that in round two. They got no riders to take part in the main feature race. I didn't, you know, I don't think he actually showed me his crash, but I think he he sort of went down. Did he go down by himself? I don't think it was an aggression move from anybody. So just so unfortunate with the problems they're having anyway. Yeah, Mir had looked off the pace all weekend when you compare him to to Tacker and and Rins, who really outperformed the factory team, which obviously isn't how it should be with the likes of Honda, but. Just looking down through the order from the staying with the sprint race, Luca Marini had a good race, got a podium in the sprint race, third place behind Bezecchi, a, a, a bit of a way behind Bezecchi, uh, 0.8 seconds behind, but still got a podium nonetheless. Good points for Luca after a poor start to the season in Porto Mel. Um, the likes of Alex Marquez was there all weekend, and I'm sure we'll talk a lot about Alex when it comes to the main race because he was featuring heavily in the battle really for second place because the battle for the win as people who watched it and I'm sure us three know really wasn't in doubt who was going to win the, the feature race with um, the likes of Marco Bezzecchi running away with it really is the only way you can put it. Dawn, Bezzecchi, unstoppable from the, the word go really. Yeah, I just think um, after this sprint race he just must have been so full of confidence and I remember hearing Marini say uh, when he was third, he knew he hadn't got the pace for the feature race. So I wasn't surprised to see Marini a little bit down the order. So they probably need to sort something out with his bike there that he knew that. But Bezeki, I think he stole the weekend. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Bezeki just really, it was it was perfect, his ride. He stretched the gap early on, absolutely blitzed the field, and then he just settled into his rhythm as the race went on and really just controlled the pace at the front and you wouldn't think this is a rider who's only just starting his second season in MotoGP really. Uh, Jack, what were your thoughts on 
Buzeki and really Ducati's domination of, of the, the weekend and the feature and the sprint race as a whole. Well, I was just getting deja vu from 2018 because Buzeki's sort of replicating what he did in, in 2018 where he's in his second year. He had a okay first round, but he did it suffer a crash in, the, in one of the races. He's gone to the second round and absolutely blitzed everyone in the wet at Termas. And it's sort of like in that season, he then went on to win more races and took Jorge Martin to the championships. And now we've sort of seen this Buzeki the one to to pressure Peku for the championship, whilst everyone else is sort of extremely inconsistent at the moment. I'm glad you said the words championship in there, Jack. And I'm going to ask both of you this in turn. I will go to you first, Jack. Do you think Marco Buzeki, he is currently leading the championship by nine points, do you think he is a serious championship contender? There's no reason why he can't be. He's got the he's got he's in a good team, he's got a good good support system. He's on a GP twenty two Ducati, which is probably just a little bit worse on paper than the twenty three, but it's still probably the second best bike on the grid when you look at it. And you saw an A did on the twenty GP twenty one last season and why not? You know, he's Talented enough, he's proven he can fight for World Championship twice, or maybe even three times if you count 2020, uh, 2018 and 2020. So this could be his third attempt at a World Championship, and I think Bez could be, could be the one to uh, maybe challenge Pekka at the moment. Don, do you think Bezeki is this serious Championship contender? Yes, definitely. He's got a very mature head on his shoulders. He doesn't never seems to be nervous. Like Jack said, he's got a great team around him, a great mentor in Valentino Rossi, you know, and Anne Pecco, you know, that they're best of mates, but definitely. And he was my dark horse for the for the championship. So he's doing me proud at the moment. <laughs> yeah, Bezeki is, uh, I think I also put him down as dark horse and top independent rider. So Bezeki's going strong so far, as I just mentioned, nine points clear of Pekka in the championship. And it feels only fitting to go from one VR46 Academy rider who really had a great weekend to go to another who dominated in Portimao and then really struggled in, didn't struggle in the race, but in terms of results, didn't have it his way with Pekka crashing out of the, the, uh, the, the feature race, sorry, from second place and Ended up finishing 16th, I believe, in a, in a fight for the last with Brad Bender, who also crashed out in early on in the race. Jack, what were your thoughts on Pecco's slip-off? Because you could see it on the TV just as his leg went up and you just could see that he was going. Yeah, um, I think it's it was one of those crashes where you know what happened, but it's one of those where it's hard to understand why it happened because Pecco, all it was, he hit the gas and he went down, so it's, it's easy to understand how it happened, but Paco apparently went over the data. He'd done the exact same thing he'd done every lap before, and for some reason the front tucked. So obviously they'll be trying to study what exactly happened. But So a small mistake with a massive consequence, because obviously now he's lost the championship lead. But overall it, was a, it wasn't a bad weekend, but I guess when you compare it to his usual standards of being a podium contender, in the dry he was just missing that little something to challenge the likes of Bez and uh, the Aprilias in the dry, but he, he didn't walk away pointless, so I think that's just the, that's just the key thing for him, but he'll definitely be um, annoyed to himself, especially if this mistake, you know, if he loses the championship by less than 20 points, he'll know this is around that he, he lost it at. 
yeah, Dorm, do you think potentially we might start seeing more mistakes from, from Peko creep in if he starts doubting himself like he did last year at the start of the season? Possibly, but I, I do think it's early days yet and it was like a very tiny, unfortunate mistake what he did. And look what he did last year. He had a few horrendous rounds and pulled it straight back to take the championship. So I just think it's a little bit too early yet. Yeah, Peko is still second in the championship, just behind Bezeki. Uh, as we've mentioned, Bezeki is in a satellite team and it is only his second year in the in the championship, so mistakes creep in for him. Um, really, the rider who picked up the pieces from, from Peko's fall, you could say, and someone who's showing great late race pace, but just doesn't have it at the start, is Zarko. And I think Sylvain Gantoli called it on the grid that he was going to go for Zarko for the race win, but it's just that start that Zarko's lacking. And Jack, is it a lack of being aggressive? Because when Zarko first came into MotoGP on the Yamaha, he was an aggressive rider at the start, and now it just seems like that's potentially gone. I don't know, because it was just a very Zarko race. You could just tell that he was going to start a bit slow, and then you just knew at the end of the end of the race he was probably the fastest on track and you, you sort of just knew you, he was going to get a second place because that seems to be the kind of position he'll get in these kind of races but I don't know whether it's just he, he's no longer aggressive or it's just the fact that the aggression of the other riders has increased so much that his term of aggression is now lenient because he's one of the older riders on the grid so he's not going to be inferior as aggressive as the younger ones who are coming who've been in now in the junior GP and all that but um, it's definitely the first half of the race was definitely where he lost it because he was hovering between fifth and eighth, battling with Martin and and uh, Rins and Digi on those kind of riders. So if he could have just got away with Frankie and just holding to back of Frankie, and then he could have maybe started his chase. And I don't think he would have catch Bez because Bez was so strong throughout the entirety of the race. But he's just missing something, and it's always in these races. It's like. He's second, and he's he's just missing that last piece of the puzzle, and he's he's not really been able to find it in in his um since like twenty seventeen. So, well, you know, we hope for Zarka we can finally get that race victory, but uh, it, it it's it's just Zarka being Zarka at the end of the day. Yeah, what's that now? I think I read that's his sixteenth Premier Class podium without a race win, and. We know Zarko has the ability to. He is a two-time Moto2 champion. One of the only... I think he is the only rider to do that in Moto2. And he's a strong rider. He showed his class. Did pull in Bezeki a little bit. But Bezeki probably lifted off a, a, a tiny bit. But Dawn, another rider who had a strong weekend and was back on the podium for the first time in a Ducati team was, was Alex Marquez. What did you make of the younger Marquez's brother weekend, uh, weekend while his older brother was sat at home injured? Another amazing round for Alex. And he's really coming into his own now, but I can't help think it's that team. There's such a good team. And it, they're nurturing him. They're doing everything right. They're giving him the confidence. Even like in the interviews and that, he's coming across so much more confident. And I think it's just going to be a great year for him. Yeah, Alex Marquez has really started well. He is fourth in the championship, only two points behind Zarco, who sits in third. So... Really, the Ducatis are dominating the start of the season. We're blocking out the, the, the top four in the standings, I believe. So I'll just check that quickly. Uh, yeah, the top four. Fifth in the championship now is Maverick Vinales, who really pretty had quite a quiet weekend in Argentina. And 
Uh, Jack, I don't know if you know anything more about what was going on with with uh, with Aprilia's situation and why Alesha and Maverick really couldn't fight towards the front like they were in Portimao. Well, at the start of the weekend, they were one and two, and, and they looked like it was going to. If it stayed dry, I'm, I've no doubt that one of those two, they would have finished one, two in both races. Maybe Bears would have um, had a go at them. But I feel like those two were the ones that were the most likely to win on Saturday and Sunday. But then with the rain and everything, it just seemed like they didn't have the same. Something in, in terms of wet conditions, they're missing something. But in the sprint race, Maverick has been really overly aggressive trying to get to the front because he knew he probably knew he had the pace. But that was called cool. that's what meant Bez couldn't uh catch Brad at the end. But it just seems like Aprilia oh, I've got like a Yamaha problem where they're just struggling to pass people. But give them give them clean air, I've no doubt they'd probably have cleared off. But they just Aprilia are just missing a little bit of something in terms of battling and in wet conditions. Yeah, they are I get what you were saying there actually with the the likes of Aprilia having almost, I don't know what it was. You see some manufacturers rise in the wet, like Ducati and dominate, whereas manufacturers like Aprilia were struggling. And I guess one big name rider who did, didn't did really have a great weekend again, just like last weekend, was, was Fabio Cotabraro. And you see him coming back into the, the, the garage dawn and his helmet stays on and he was throwing his gloves when he got back in. And it's not been a great start for the, the 2021 world champion, has it? No, definitely not. And I noticed that too, the fact that he sat there with his helmet on, just trying to probably, you know, debrief himself. But yeah, you're sort of perhaps going to think he'll be looking for another team next year, I think. I think he is contracted for Yamaha next season, but you know he could still break his way out. But then there rises the question of where could he go? Because there's the thing of Mark Marquez with people saying the same from Repsol Honda, but you look at the Ducati teams and... Mark, Mark and Fabio wouldn't take any less than the, the factory team, you don't think, and you don't think they'd go to Pramac, and you know VR46 wouldn't have Mark Marquez on their bikes because of uh, because of history that they have. Um, Fabio currently sits 10th in the standings, and I didn't expect to say this after this weekend. He is currently behind Franco Morbidelli in the championship standings. I don't think that'll continue for Franco, sadly, but it's, it's worth pointing out that at this moment in time, Fabio is behind Franco, and Franco's still there. He hasn't lost it overnight. Um, let's move on to the, the Moto2 race, which I'm sure we all were a bit baffled beforehand with the uh, the race being shortened from, I think, 21 laps to 14. Jack, do you remember the, the reasoning behind why the Moto2 race got shortened? It was said... I think, <clears throat> I remember, I think it was said is because they had no wet practice beforehand, so they would, they've shown it to two thirds distance. Right, so because of, like, say they didn't have the warm up in the morning and the wet, it's mm. okay. I I still thought the race was good, no matter what the the situation was with with it being shortened, and I'm sure we all enjoyed seeing a Brit up on the podium. Uh, we'll go straight into to that actually. Jake Dixon was was third place in in Argentina the weekend that his daughter was born. So an emotional weekend all round for for Jake. Dawn he was he looked good. He looked like he could challenge for the win at points. I think he had visor problems during the race, and 
really, if he didn't have those those problems, you you think he could have potentially won that race and challenged Arbelino and Alonso Lopez for the top two positions. Yes, definitely. Jake definitely had the pace. And like I say, having such a big thing of waking up in the morning to know that he was a dad, he kept so focused. And obviously, I think he wanted a podium finish for Sarah and his lovely little daughter. So, yeah, like I said, it was just unfortunate about his visor steaming up. What could he have done? But no, he looked very strong, definitely. Mm. Uh, we'll go from one Brit to another. And Jack, we'll talk about Sam Lowe's. Really wasn't really anywhere throughout the race I don't know if it was a wet conditions I don't know if he just didn't have the right setup but Sam Lowe's down in 10th what, what did you make of Sam's weekend in Argentina it was just very quiet like mm. we never saw him on track I don't think I even remember seeing him on track once and no. I mean part, I saw him in the garage but that was a, mm. that was a that's new part I don't think I actually physically saw him riding out on track anywhere from what I remember and it was just sort of hovered around 10th and that's about where he finished. The important, the important thing is he has finished the race. Mm-hmm. He scored points, and now he's going to go to America where he's won before and he's got form. Hopefully, it won't end like last season with with Chantra at the side of him. But uh, yeah, it's, it's just a very quiet start for Sam. But I think given what happened last season, he'd take that then crash so many times and be on be in hospital again. Yeah, we'll go, we'll talk about our other. Um our other British rider in, in Moto2 and Rory Skinner didn't actually finish the race and I didn't actually see it at the time but did it come up saying he'd retired rather than he'd crashed out of the race yeah, yeah. and his but, teammate and his teammate well. yeah. yeah they both did right so an, uh, an American racing team team trouble really for for their boys but again Skinner looked fast at points in the weekend I noticed in Q1 he he was up there for a bit he set a fast lap time which then got removed right at the start of the session but I'd say he's still progressing well. He didn't crash out of the race in tricky conditions. And Jack, what have you made of, of Rory's start to Moto2? I'd say it's going reasonably well for the first two rounds. Yeah, it's going well. I mean, he's having to learn tracks constantly, but uh, yeah, obviously it's going well. He's still trying to adapt to the riding style. He knows what he's got to do. It's just getting that muscle memory and fully getting the feel for the bike to understand how to do it, etc. But it looks like when we're getting to the the Spanish rounds and the rounds he would have spent during the Red Bull Rookies and the Junior GP, um, we could be seeing some, hopefully, good performances from Rory. I don't know how he'll do, but I expect him to creep up the, the order a little bit. Yeah, I'd expect Rory to be further up when we get to, to tracks that he really does know, like the Harafs and your Catalunyas. Um, we'll go to the to the race winner now. Dawn Tony Arbelino won by zero point six seconds. He was in a scrap really all race with Alonso Lopez. I don't know what you what did you make of their their battles? It looked like Alonso had seemed to think he had a little bit more, but he kept running it wide at a few corners. I noticed which let Arbelino back through. What did you make of their battle for for the win? Yeah. And really good racing between those two, and yeah, like I say, Alonso did seem to take the deeper lines, giving Tony the chance to slip underneath him, which he did. But like Tony's really outshining his teammate at the moment, Sam Lowe. So a great round for Tony. Yeah, honestly, something that British fans won't like to hear that Sam Lowe's is being comfortably beaten by his by his teammate. His teammate does currently lead the world championship in Moto Two from Aaron Canet and Pedro Acosta. Jake Dixon is fourth in the standings currently, which is good to see. And Sam Lowe's currently sits down in eighth place. 
joint on points with Chantra and Albert Aranas. Uh, really, it, it was a good race from from the Italian and the Spanish rider once again showing that you know they are a class riders in in Moto Two. We may have expected to see Aldegar further up the order if um if it was dry, but there were other names as well, Jack, that really probably got helped in the wet with the likes of Sergio Garcia and Darren Binder. Both Moto Two rookies finished Garcia in fifth, Binder in sixth. What did you make of their uh, their rides in in Moto Two? Yeah, I mean Binder. Uh, we we said it was like he could be a danger man because Darren he's not scared of any condition. He's really aggressive, so he'll activate those tires quickly, and he's just naturally. He seems like he, and we saw his performances in the wet last season on the Yamaha. He was actually quite decent, so it's like he could do something here. And he, you know, sixth place is great. Sergio Garcia, I didn't, I know he was good in the wet and Moto three, and that's where he got a couple of his victories for like Le Mans, for example, in twenty twenty one. I did not see him climbing from all the way at the back of the grid to fifth. Yeah, but fifth. yeah, he's but he did great. He we didn't see a lot of him through through getting up the order, but you just kept seeing his name going up and up and up and brilliant ride and a good you know rides like that that you know secure himself as a as a good rider and he can maybe try and just find that performance in the dryer now, but. To get 11 points under his wing in those kind of conditions, great stuff. Yeah, um, I think he came from 28th on the grid, Garcia, which makes his ride even more impressive, really. The fact that he managed to get all the way up to 5th and just took his chances with the conditions he was given, really, and it was it was a solid ride. Um, Dawn, we'll go to you to talk about Pedro Acosta's uh, race. I don't know. I can't remember from the past. Is he a rider that that struggles in in wet conditions, and maybe that was what hampered him this weekend? Yeah, I think it must have done because you don't expect him to finish twelfth. Mm. So, and like, I'm just wondering the fact that like they don't have this warm up now on a Sunday morning. Do we think that this is going to keep going? Where that you know it's because the MotoGP riders uh, are being driven around the circuit in a in a buzz. I don't think it's really fair on Moto3 and Moto2. And is this hampering on people's performances? Because you can't control the weather. So I just wonder, yeah. But I do definitely think it was weather-related for Pedro. Yeah, I think the, the MotoGP bus thing is, is, is cool for the fan experience, but it does get rid of track time for the younger riders who, who probably do need it, um, especially in conditions like that when they haven't faced Permas in those conditions probably in their career really especially with Pedro where he's been fast tracked through so quickly um we'll go on to Moto3 where Pedro obviously was champion in the past and really it was it didn't look at one point like anyone really wanted to challenge at the front with the likes of Dennis Onju crashing out early on from the lead I think Ayumu Sasaki also crashed out from the lead um Jaume Massia crashed out of second place and really, the rider who took advantage of those situations was Tatsuki Suzuki. And Dawn, he, he rode a, a sensational ride to say he hasn't won a race in, in a good while. Yeah, definitely. He, he controlled that race. Because like at the previous round, it was like he never really turned up. Um, so yeah, he uh, showed us what he's made of, and especially in the tricky conditions. And the fight behind him was like quite aggressive. So he did the right thing to clear off. 
yeah, quite aggressive might be a, a bit of an understatement, really, for what uh, what we saw in Moto3 on the weekend with one of our British riders involved in, which we'll get onto in a moment. But, Jack, I want to talk about Andrea Migno as well. Comes in as a replacement for Lorenzo Fallon, who really had such a poor showing in, in Portimao. And Migno was on the podium. Was it just... Is it Migno's quality, or was it just the conditions that Migno managed to capitalise on? I think it's a com- combination of everything. Migno has got absolutely nothing to lose. He's got no contract or anything. He's a I don't like to use this term. He is an ambulance chaser at the end of the day. And it was just one of those moments where he was wet. He's on a bike he's familiar with. I mean, he hasn't ridden the KTM in quite a few years, but he's still familiar with that bike. And he probably just thought, screw it, I'll push. If I crash, I crash. Everyone knows my talent. I'm going to prove it. And he got third. And, you know, it was nearly nearly wasn't a podium, but Ricardo Rossi, unfortunately, lost the front in turn 12, 13. But, yeah, just to see just to see them into part, him going into part Fermi, all the VR46 mm-hmm. boys jumping and celebrating with him. Yeah, it was just a good performance and showing... I mean, it's like a Mino trying to show to everyone that he deserves to be in that paddock. He deserves to be on the grid. He's got the talent. So, you know, hopefully for Mino... Whether it's a, if, if he can even just get maybe a, a junior GP riding Moto2, that could be something for him because he definitely deserves to be riding. He shouldn't be on the sidelines watching from trackside. Yeah, you have to fear for um, riders like Fallon, who had a poor start to the season. Uh, apparently, it's injury based. I'm not too sure what his injury is. But with people like Mino coming in, Moto3 teams in the past and Moto2 teams have been known to, to get rid of riders quite quickly if someone else comes in and does better than them. So Mino might be trying to sort of force his way into that team, potentially, if Fallon's uh, results don't don't pick up when he returns. I'm not sure if he's going to be back for America, but uh, we will see what happens on that front. Um, Diogo Moreira completed the podium in second place, pretty much the closest thing he's going to have to a home race, really, down in Argentina, the Brazilian man. Um Solid ride for him in the wet, really. We sort of knew he'd show up. He did well there last year and a solid performance. And I think now is a good time to talk about the British boys. And Scott Ogden really was in the thick of it. And I know I messaged our, our chat during, uh, just after the race saying I was absolutely in pieces watching that. I didn't really know if I could watch or not. And Scott was throwing in some moves and moves were thrown at him. And he did pick up a penalty for... A collision uh, later on in the race, which put him, he crossed the line in fourth. Really impressive. I was thinking he'd potentially get a podium if, when Ricardo Rossi crashed, he took out someone else. There was, you know, the, the slight chance that was going to happen. But Scott finished fifth in the end after his podium, after his um, penalty was applied, sorry. And, and Dawn really, Scott had a sensational ride. Oh, it was fantastic. And it's really what he needed. He needed that confidence. He knows what he's capable of and to transfer that onto the track. And he, you know, he showed that when all this was going on in front of him, he was like just letting them get on with it. And you could tell he was just waiting perhaps for the final lap to try and do something. And it was just unfortunate what happened because he was quite vocal when they interviewed him after just saying they were idiots, basically. And it's just what happens when you're racing Moto3. So, yeah, it's a shame he couldn't get on the podium, but I don't think it will long before he will be. Yeah, he really caught some slack on social media. Yeah, he really got... People went for him on social media for, for what he'd said in his interview on BT Sport. And 
yeah, it's probably I think more adrenaline led him to to you know say what he said of that that's racing after he took out um Almanza. I think it was the Joel Kelso's replacement who had a solid ride as well, really. Um, but Jack, what did you think of Scott's comments after the race and also his performance? Uh, his comments weren't probably favours because mm. we've seen if Scott has a bit of adrenaline in him, he might say the wrong things, but. End of the day, he's, he's still young and he's going to make these kind of mistakes. But as long as he's, as long as he's got over to the team, apologise and and he accepts the penalty as well. So that side is good. The race rise, <clears throat> it was planned perfectly until turn five. But, you know, when you got five riders, f- five abreast into turn five in the wet, one of them's going to surely have a mishap. And fortunately for Scott, it was him. He got flat off the brake and went straight into Almanza. But uh, apart from that, brilliant ride, and um, I think ne- I find it ironic how he's been searching for this top ten result all this time, and the first one he gets is a top five. So it's good for him now. I think he'll, now he won't be right. I want to do that in the dry, which uh, I feel is definitely capable. It's, it's somewhere like a ref maybe, but that, where he won in junior GP. But yeah, we just have to see what what uh, waits for him. Yeah, he definitely does have the talent. We've we've seen that now in the wet, and if you can do that in the weight, you can definitely do it in the dry. Um, but he wasn't the only Brit in the points in Moto Three Dawn. Josh Watley scored his first Moto Three point as he finished fifteenth place. Really, he qualified last, and I was thinking this isn't going to be a great weekend for Josh. But he turned it around in the race and and secured that point. Yes, he did. He's yeah, he's really coming into his own now as well. Yeah, I'm really pleased for Josh and see what he can do in the next couple of rounds. But a strong performance. He must have been well chuffed with himself. Mm, I'm sure there was a, a big celebration in the Vision Track uh, garage for both riders, one in the top five and one getting his first points in Moto3. So well done to, to both the British boys for such a good weekend down in Argentina. And uh, I was just looking through the order to see who else really stood out to me as a... a, a someone who I didn't expect to be up there. Yamanaka had a rough weekend and turned it around for ninth place. Um, Asman in 11th place, the, the Malaysian rider. Uh, actually, Jack, I'll ask you about um, Almansa, the rider that uh, that Scott had contact with. He's I don't know much about him. I don't know if uh, you're familiar with, with Almansa, but he was, he was up there and fighting and throwing in some big moves on some of the, the Moto3 regulars. Yeah, I know he's from Junior GP. I know he's quite successful. I'm not sure how many races he's won, etc. But I know he's competitive. So he's naturally going to be competitive when he comes to Moto3. He wasn't quite there in the drive, but in the wet. I think he just went, I'm here as a, as a replacement. I don't know how long for. We've seen the likes of Messiah, who've done wild cards or replacement rides and got a, got a ride because of their performances. So I think he's gone in the same as Mino. I've got nothing to lose. I'm going to ride... 100%. Hopefully I can get a ride out of it and maybe he will with some team. Who knows? Mm-hmm. So good. it was a great performance. Unfortunately, he, he crashed out. wasn't his mistake. And we saw how sad he was when he got to the box with the team. But he's got to make sure he's happy with his performance before that incident and hopefully opens it upwards for him. Yeah. Um, you look through and Daniel Holgado is now still leading the championship. Diogo Moreira is in second and Tatsuki Suzuki is now in third. Uh, Scott Ogden 
now in 11th on 11 points, and Josh Watley in 22nd on a singular point. So it's it's going well for the British boys. And speaking of our British boys, let's talk about BSB, because there's no point looking at our, ch- our predictions for Argentina, because we all got everything wrong. <laughs> I don't think any of us got anything right. Um, the British Superbikes, it's back this weekend. Silverstone, uh, the national circuit. I know we're all going to be there, all looking forward to it. And we've lost two of the big names from, well, three of the big names, I guess you could say, with Tom Sykes going back to World Superbikes, Brad Ray, the, the reigning champion, going to World Superbikes, and uh, Taryn McKenzie moving on to, to World Supersport. So this year, I'd say it's it's open to a lot of people to win it. I know it normally is, but with the likes of Brad and Taz both gone, Jack, it's unpredictable, I guess is probably the, the word that comes to mind most years for BSB. Yeah, I mean, I've done a list right here, possible championship contenders, there's 12 names, and that's even concluding any dark horses or etc. So it's sort of like, and now there's no proper showdown, and any 12 plus any rookies that might surprise us, any of the dark horses with a little bit more experience now, they could come into it. It's a, it's, 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 it's hard to predict who on earth is going to come out champion at the end of the year. Who are your? Uh, I'm interested now. Who have you got down as your your twelve people who could win the the title? Right, Josh Brooks, Peter Hickman, Jason O'Halloran, Kyle Ride, Ryan Vickers, Leon Haslam, Lee Jackson, Andrew Irwin, Glenn Irwin, Tommy Bridewell, Christian, and Danny Buchan. Yeah, that they are definitely all people who could be up there and, and fighting for the championship. Really, Dawn, it's it's like Jack's just said. It's without really the, the big two, I guess you could say, of, of Taz or Brad this year, who Taz, if he wasn't so injured last season, probably would have been frightened at the front with with Brad. But the last two British champions aren't on the grid now. So really, I don't know where to look. It's just so open this year, which is so exciting. And the fact that the testing, it's been wet. So yeah, you know, we've had a few people, Kyle stood out, Josh Brooks, thankfully he's been back up there. But it, you know, and it's been on a Spanish circuit, you know, not an English one. So it's just so wide open. Yeah. Mm. And I think even if someone was to dominate round one at Silverstone, it doesn't mean they're going to win the championship. Yeah. You see, it's a couple, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. Glenn Irwin dominated at Silverstone uh, last year doing the triple, but uh, that didn't turn into a, a, a championship winning season for him. He challenged towards the end. He was, I think, third overall at the end of the year, second overall. Yeah, he uh, he really took it all to the end. But again, it, things change in BSB so quickly that you, you never really know. And Jack, I know you sent the, the link to our group chat last night for the Bet365 odds. And uh, I'm just looking now. The bookies have Jason O'Halloran as the favourite to win now. They keep changing. Every hour they change who they, they think is going to be the champion. And it's now Jason O'Halloran at five to one, and uh, I mentioned last night I've got a, I've put only five pounds on who I think is going to be champion, and I've gone with Leon Haslam. Yeah, I, I was I was speaking to to some people last night, and a lot of people were going between Leon or Josh, the only two former British champions who are still on the grid, and really the the older riders on the grid, you could say, and the more experienced riders. But I, I'm back in Leon this season for my for my champion. Jack, you look like you were 
you're on its words too. I find it just very strange. What I love is the fact that Leon and Josh last season, the for their standards, they were quite poor. Mm. Leon only got two podiums, didn't even win a race. Josh didn't even get on the podium. Yet you come into this season and the the favourites. <laughs> it just doesn't like if you if I'd say right now if you've gone to the end of Brands Hatch last season, knowing who was riding where, those two would not be as high up as they are now after te- before testing. So I think people a lot of people were writing Josh off and stuff, but now he's all of a sudden start doing well in testing, and now he's the fav- one of the favourites again. So it's uh, it's very strange. <laughs> Josh Brooks. Uh... Multiple time British champion Leon Haslam won it back in 2018, and like I just said, the only two previous champions who are still on the grid. But some of the favourites really for for the championship. Uh, we'll get to our predictions in in a little while, but really, the the grid is stacked. Even when you look at the rookies which have come through, we have four support class champions on the grid this year. Um, Jack Kennedy, who isn't a, a, a superbike rookie, but he's back on the grid, uh, and. You've got uh, Max Cook, you've got um, Davy Todd, you've got the likes of, I'm, I'm forgetting the last one, it's Jack Scott, isn't it, that's come up, yeah, with the Rapid CDH racing team. Uh, Tim Neves come up from the, the Superstock class, and Charlie Nesbitt's making his full-time debut, and even just those rookies, when you list off those names, uh, they're some quality riders. So they're probably going to throw their, their name in the hat at some point in the season, Dawn. Would you expect them to be up there? Yes, definitely. Uh, I think Max Coop, definitely, he's going to be my dark horse. I think he's going to put a strong performance. But I won't be surprised to see any of those getting inside the top 10. Yeah, I was just looking now because it's one that stood out to me last night on Bet365 when I was looking. Charlie Nesbitt is at 8-1 to one to win the title. They, they have him as the fifth favourite rider to win the, the British Superbike title, which I don't agree with. <laughs> I like Charlie Nesbitt, don't get me wrong, but oh no, I don't want to put a bet on Nesbitt, oh God. Um, but I don't think he's that high up, but I do expect him to be fighting towards the front towards the end of the season on the Honda. Um, I think now's a good time while we're talking about the rookies. The rookie of our, the rookie of the year prediction. Who we think is going to be our standout rookie rider this season? Dawn, who who have you gone for 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 rookie of the year? Did you say any any reasoning why for Max Cook? Because he's making the jump from uh, the lower classes. Wasn't ever in uh, Super Sport or uh, Super Stock. So why have you gone with Max Cook? I just think he put a real strong performance in in this class last year, the Junior Super Stock. And he just seems to have gelled really well with the team and the bike because the actual team have been behind him, behind the scenes, I think, throughout most of his career in the BSB paddock. So, yeah, I think he's going he's gonna to be one to watch. Jack, who have you, uh, who've you gone for for the, the Rookie of the Year? I was torn between Nesbitt and Cook. And I'm going to go with Max. Ooh, so you've got two for Max Cook. Okay, I'm guessing the same reasons as as Dawn. Yeah, he's in an effort. He's in the FS3 Cheshire Moldings Kawasaki teams. And they've won races. Danny Bucken and Lee Jackson, and he dominated pretty much junior superstock most of the year last year. He's a former Red Bull rookie rider, and I just feel like give him a few rounds that team with him and 
with his talent in that team, would not be surprised in the slightest if he gets a podium somewhere. Okay, I'm going to go Charlie Nesbitt as my Rookie of the Year. I really like Charlie. I think he really, he's shown in, in that GP2 year how dominant he can be. And towards the end of the season, especially at Fruxton in a super stock, he really, really showed that he was a top rider on the Suzuki and uh, came in for build base uh, last year into super bikes, replacing uh, the injured, was it Christian Eden he replaced in the end of the season? And uh, really put some good results. Yes, was, yeah, then yeah. Christian was fine. They just they just used all three bikes. I yeah. Think. Uh, I yeah. The Christian. I can't remember. If, I swear Christian rode in the last last year, in the last round. Sorry, last year. I can't remember. Nesbit was there anyway at Brands. Yeah, Nesbit, Nesbit and Kent were there. That's all I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Nesbit was definitely there, and he put together some very strong results. So that's why I'm going to go Charlie Nesbit as my rookie of the year. He is on a Honda this year, but. I'm expecting some decent things to come from, from Charlie. Um, yeah, I'm just also, we've got the support series to talk about as well. The likes of Super Sport, where Dawn, you'll be working with the McAdam racing team. What are, are there any expectations on the riders this year, or has that not really been, been spoke about in the team? Yeah, they, they haven't really spoke about it. I mean, you've got Tom, um, he's a very strong rider, very fast rider. But he's got to learn the circuits. So that'll be a little bit of a learning curve. But I think once he gets to ground with everything, he'll be very fast. Then you've got Jack Nixon, a previous uh, junior superstock champion. And now he's back on an R6. So he's really comfortable with that. So, yeah. And then we've got Max Wadworth. And he's actually from the academy. But he's been doing that well, that they've jumped him up to the main team. So it's going to be very interesting to say what's going to happen with the three riders. Hmm. Jack, I'll go for you, uh, go to you now. With Who do you think are the favourites in the, in the Supersport category this season with the likes of uh, Peary and Jack Kennedy moving up to, to Superbikes? Got Lee Johnston, you've got Ben Curry, Tom Bufamos, Tom Taparis, I'd say Jack Nixon as well. A name I've noticed, I've gone on the website, I've seen it. This must have gone right under the radar, but Luke Stapleford is apparently riding. Who's he back? I, he doesn't say what bike he's on. What? Um, it says on the British Superbike website if you go on Riders Support Series, yep. his name is there. Uh, yeah, that is. So, hmm. so he'd be, if he's on a Triumph, <laughs> I'd yeah. say he's, he's one to look out for as well. Yeah. So, but yeah, I think those are your names, really. Yeah, I'd I'd go. It's, it's the safe bet, but I'd go Lee Johnston. Surely this has to be, you know, Jack Kennedy's not there, Peary's not there. This has to be his season, though. He finished third last season, I think, in the championship, just behind those two. If there's any time where he can, you know, uh, dominate the the super sport class, it's got to be now, hasn't it, Don? Yes, definitely. And as long as he keeps being fit and uh, no mechanicals and. Uh, doing his road racing as well so you know you just don't know but yeah we got lee johnson at the top of our list i think uh it's it's going to be a strong year especially looking through now i'm just looking at some of the names looking at jack nixon like you just mentioned dawn with with mcadam and really other than johnston he's the big one that stands out to me but there's also i know you named him as well jack ben curry on the oxford products racing ducati which 
in World Superbikes, Ducati's been doing the business, so in British Superbikes, I'd say it, it should probably do the same thing, and I'm right in saying, Jack, that he was pretty high up in, in testing throughout the winter. Yeah, there was a, I've, I've just seen, I'm just going through, I keep forgetting names, Jamie uh, Van Zekelris, he won in Donington, yeah. so he could be he could be one to look out for, Reese Irwin, who's on a Yamaha, who's on a, a Suzuki, he, yeah. he was really strong in testing as well, it's it's really stat grid and it's you know who the favourites are, but just someone might just come out of nowhere and yeah. potentially become a, a title favourite. Yeah. Like it was this it was TJ Toms, he was really strong in testing as well. Never seen his name up ever. But um never know he might just be good in the wet, who knows? But we'll know more. I think we'll know more by I think the way you can reference this is after Donington Park, you'll have three rounds. Three completely different race circuits, and you have a good understanding who are the strongest riders. Yeah, there's. It's really. I know we call British Superbikes unpredictable, but with the the big two in sense from Supersport now moving on up, it's it's even harder to call. And I guess I'd say the National Superstock Championship as well. If you look over to there, there are some some big names over there as well. I'm looking at Billy McConnell. I'm looking at Dan Linfoot, who's over there full time. And I just looked through and I don't know who I'd go with. Jack, I don't know if you have any idea who who you'd call as a Superstock favourite. I'd go with, I'd say Billy mm-hmm. because he's been there. He's been, he's been so close so many times, second and third places constantly since he's been in the class. So I'd say he's probably the favourite, but um, yeah, Dan Lofort, maybe Richard Kerr, uh, Louis Rollo if he's fit. Um, Braden Elliott, he was strong for a while last season until until he dropped off a little bit. David Allingham, he was the same. He was strong until he, I think he got injured mm-hmm. on the tag Honda, but now he's on the Paget's Honda, that one with David Todd, so he might be someone to look out for. Um, Alistair Seeley on the Synetic BMW. Yeah, oh yeah, of course. He's over in, in Superstock now. It's all... I think, yeah, I think, looking through them now, I think <laughs> Alex Olsen on a Honda. Yeah. I think I've come to the decision looking at these lists that every class is unpredictable this year. Yeah. Except for maybe the talent cup. Yeah, mm. I'd say that's the one way it's like, unless something goes wrong, it should be Johnny Garnas. Johnny Garnas, yeah. Mm. Johnny Garnas, yeah. That's oh, and, the... and the BMW Cup as well. I think that might be already decided. Yeah, Cooper. <laughs> oh, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. The BMW Cup, I'm actually interested to watch. I liked to try options when that was a thing, but I think where, where I'm at Silverstone, I want to watch it just to see how it looks compared to like how the try options was last year. I don't know if... I don't know if many people are looking forward to the, the the new BMW the new BMW Cup. Jack and Dawn, I don't know if you're interested in it at all. I think because now Richard Cooper's in it, I think that's going to add a little bit more and interest. Dom. It's Dom as well. Yeah, Dom Herbert. Yeah, so you know both very popular riders with people. So I think them two are going to draw the people in. There's um there's um Michael Rutter's racing in it as well. So yeah. I hadn't heard that. Where's that come from? What? Yeah, he made an announcement on social media last week or something. He did some testing in Spain. Oh, I that. Huh. He's, he's running with number one as well. Oh, he's getting, getting brave. I saw 
John McGuinness is going to be in the, the Superstock Championship at Silverstone, so it'll be good to see him as well. Um, but yeah, there's some there's going to be some big names at Silverstone, and I think hopefully the weather will hold out. We spoke just beforehand; it's Silverstone. Anything can happen. It's saying it's going to be good weather. We look like we're on for good racing, but let's just let's just hope that for some reason Silverstone doesn't throw its usual curveball and absolutely throw it down on Sunday yeah. and just <laughs> wash out the whole event like we've seen in the past. But I think we're on for a good year. And going back to the the superbike class, I think now is a good time to call who we think is going to be champion. I've got my bet on for who I think will be champion. I don't know if I'm going to change my mind yet for when I do my prediction. But, Dawn, have you got who you think will be the BSB champion come the end of the year? I've got it down to two. I'm going Kyle Ride. Yeah, I think Kyle's a, a favourite with people this year for, for the title. Uh, Jack, have you got uh, any idea of any name out of your 12 who's going to be champion? So I'm, I have a strong feeling Jason O'Halloran will be leading going into the showdown. It's just I don't know whether he'll keep it again. <laughs> I'm, I'm really torn between all these names because any one of them could be champion. And they all, they all are on good teams as well, good bikes. Teams all have good form in every single track. They're all on new bikes. Some of them are on new bikes as well, so you don't know how they're going to fare. <laughs> you get all 12 of them <laughs> go really safe I'll be like Neil and pick out pick 10, 10 names and go yeah I got it right <laughs> you know what I'll, I'll, I'll come back to you I'll, then I'll make me okay okay we'll, we'll come back to you I'm going to stick with Leon I don't know why I just have this feeling ever since he showed up in Spain for testing and He's announced he's with the Rocket um, BMW Motorrad team for BSB. And I just, I don't know why. There's just this this thing for Leon this season for me that is making me think he's going to have a solid year. He's going to fight at the front. And I expect to see him at the front at Silverstone. And I, my money's on Leon. And I'm praying he wins so I get some, some good money back. But Leon Haslam's my, my call for the season. Jack, have you got any idea yet, or do you need more time? We've got to go for the dark horse now before. I'll go. It's between three. Give us the names Jason Holler and Cal Rad and Josh Brooks. Ooh. Two Yamahas and a BMW. FHO, McCams, and. Uh... OMG race, I'm just going to call them Rich Energy. Probably best not to do that. Oh, <laughs> Car rides dominated testing. Yeah. Should we go with our dark horse for who you we want to go to the dark horse and I'll come back to you. All right, Don, who have you got down as your dark horse for, for this BSB season? Like you say, there's just so many. I really struggle to, to do this one. What? I think I'm going to go Ryan Vickers. Oh, yeah. Didn't have a great year last year. Moved over to the OMG team. Yeah. I think he's going to have a better year this year and I think he'll sneak in. So, yeah, I'm going Vickers. Okay. That's a a fair shout. Jack, do you have a dark horse or? 
Um, I'll go with. Jack Kennedy. Oh, yeah. Okay. On a, on a Yamaha as well. A strong shout there. Um, we haven't really spoken about Jack, but yeah, coming up as Super Sport champion again in a good team on a good bike. Definitely could be up there. Uh, oh, my dark horse. There are just, I'm flicking through, looking at their faces, looking at the names and what bikes they're on, and it's, it is a rough one to try and choose. I've got, to, I've got to try and show some support from somewhere. I'm gonna go for Christian Eden as my dark horse this season. He's yeah. on a, uh, wow. he's on the Oxford Products Racing Ducati with Moto Rapido, and back on the Ducati did well for PBM. I think the, the team atmosphere is gonna suit Christian. I think going into the season, he looks in a good place. He looks happy. So yeah, I think Christian's gonna be one to watch definitely this season. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Have you got your your champion decided, Jack? There's a nod. Yeah. No, so I went. I went big at Termas. Went really risky. Mm-hmm. Me wrong. So what I'm going to do? I'm going to go risky again. Ooh. He wasn't a favourite at all at the end of the last season. I'm going to go with the bad boy. Oh, bad boy Brooks. Mm-hmm. So all three of us have gone for for different riders. So there's a there's clearly not a, a clear favourite going into this. We have. <laughs> Dawn, who's gone for car ride on the Yamaha. We've got Jack, who's gone for bad boy Brooks, who's on the FHO BMW. And I've gone for Leon Haslam, who's also on a, the rock. He's on the rocket uh, motorrad BMW. I was just called the pocket rocket BMW. Yeah. I was just called it like... pocket rocket BMW. You pointed that out to me last week and that quite literally blew my mind for what that was. <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, I was going to say, I think any of us could be right, but Jack showed that there are there are a lot of riders in BSB who I'm really excited. I think it's going to be a good year. I think that's the only way to put it, really. You look at the grid, and Brad Ray was the favourite last year. We sort of knew Brad was gonna was gonna win it, especially with with Taz being injured. But it, it's going to be a, a, a strong year from a lot of manufacturers and riders. And I was just looking through them. PBM have a complete new lineup as well, and none of us have put them down as a a dark horse or a champion with, with Glenn Irwin and Tommy Bridewell. Uh, Dawn, they look like they're going to be strong as well on the PBMs. They look good out in Spain testing with out in yeah. Navarra. Yeah, excited to see what they can do. New team for them, new teammates. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be really exciting. Hmm. I'm just not expecting anything from them this round. No. If it's if it's dry, I'm not expecting any of the Catties to do well because Catty have never won here. And Remember, like you remember, just watching them last season. Even Tommy, even though he was in form, he could barely scrape inside the top ten. So uh, this round, I'm not expecting anything. I think we'll know where all the Ducatis are at round two and three. Mm. I'm just uh, looking through some of the names and one that stood me, Pete Hickman. You had down as someone who could win the championship. I didn't really notice Peter in uh, in testing. I don't know if. Was he at the? He wasn't at the Spanish yeah, test, was he? Yeah, he was. He was with Josh the entire time, but Josh completely just outshot him in every single session, and he was always over a second behind him. That may have been my problem, and I may have just overlooked yeah. it completely. Maybe it's just the fact that Peter just isn't. Well, I would say he isn't as as good of a wet a rider as Josh, but Peter's first win was in the wet, so yeah. that kind of nullifies everything. But yeah. Peter did say apparently he was having problems with the BMW. 
so that might the might be why. But yeah, so far it's uh, been very one sided in the FHO team. Mm, I, I can't decide how they're going to get along as teammates. I know look, from what we see, from what I've seen in the galleries, they look fairly happy. But you know, whether that will upset if things will be upset with Josh if he, Josh does now start to become the number yeah. one in the team where Peter's been number one for so many years, that might ruffle a few things. Yeah, we never know. Mm. They're, they're both doing the Isle of Man as well, I believe. So mm. it's going to be and a Northwest. yeah, and Northwest as well. They're both doing that. Oh yeah, that's back on now, isn't it? Of course. They're. Uh, I think it's going to be a busy year for them both, and especially for Josh if he is fighting at the. For the championship in BSB, and I guess really the the best way to leave this talk is we'll have to see when the lights go out on at Silverstone <laughs> who's at the front because actually let's let's go for who we think is going to win the three races at Silverstone for BSB. Again, I'm I haven't even thought about this, so I'm throwing myself under the bus here for who's going to win at Silverstone as well. I'm confident to my. You're confident, are you? Right, we'll yeah. go to you. We'll go to you first, then, Jack. Who right. do you think is winning? If it's dry, if it's dry, I'm not. I don't. I'm not sure if you'll do all three, but I'm going to say the one who'll come out with the most points will be Kyle Ride. Mm. If it's wet, I'd go with Josh Brooks. Why, um, Josh in the in the wet? Do you think he's better in the wet than than, than Kyle? Well, just in testing, he was the worst place I ever saw him was fourth. All he did was, well, and he didn't even change. They didn't think they even change a single thing on the bike. They think they were just changing the electronics and all the throttle maps and everything. So they haven't even touched something on anything on the suspension. So if they did that, then I think the gap would get even bigger. And he was quite considerably faster than everyone else, and he's done the most laps in the wet. So I feel like he's just the one who's the safest bet in the wet. So the fair shout for Josh actually, yeah, with testing being up there. Um, Dawn, your thoughts for who is going to win? Not all three, but will be a, a star performer at Silverstone. Uh, definitely Kyle Ride. I think he's. I think he'll win two out of the three races. And I tend to be leaning towards Josh to to perhaps win one as well. I feel like Ryan is definitely going to win a race at Silverstone. Yeah. I think we'll definitely see him up there. So he is one name that's on my list. But yeah, I'm going to join you guys. I'm going to go Kyle Ryder. I think he's going to be the star performer at Silverstone. And again, we'll either be completely right or like Termas. <laughs> you're wrong. But I was going to say, we've all got a bit safe, really, for, uh, for Kyle. But yeah. I think... Even in a dry, I think we'll see Josh Brooks challenging him on the BMW. So definitely, it's going to be mm-hmm. it's going to be a good few races. And, uh, and also, especially if you did you read what uh, Paul Bird said? I haven't. What has Paul Bird? I can't remember who. I think it was with Bike Sport Bike News. Sport News. And basically saying um, he's lost a few sponsors because of last season, and how he wants he wants to prove it was the machine. The machines were not wrong. The machines were capable of winning, so it's so it'd be interesting to see how Brooks and PBM get on this year when you look at the. So, Paul Bird has blamed Sykes and Brooks for the. Yes, essentially, he hasn't. Yeah. I didn't specifically said it's them, but he is in the way. That's what he's applying. Yeah. 
oh, <laughs> Brooks will be out for uh, for blood yeah. this season, I think, then. And I think uh, yeah. you calling him the bad boy will probably come back this season after yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully not in, the, in, the in hopefully not in 2009 form. Hopefully yeah. it's 2015 and 2020 form. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think really this is a, a good place to leave it. No more clue than we had at the start of who's going to be British champion, really. Um, yeah, thank you both for joining me. I uh, will hopefully see you both at, uh, at Silverstone throughout the weekend and uh, be nice to catch up with you both there. And uh, hopefully we'll be back next week to talk about hopefully a dry Silverstone weekend of British Superbike racing. And maybe we might have more clue on who's going to be British champion after, after the weekend. We'll have to see. Thank you all for joining us. We'll be back hopefully next week. Goodbye.